0: This morning's passage comes from the Gospel of Mark, uh, Mark chapter 8, verses 34 through 38. So please follow along as I read aloud. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life would lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the Gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes and the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Let's pray. Father, as we approach this word this morning, this text this morning, I do so just completely aware of all the times that I do not deny myself, of the times when I do not take up my cross, of times when I opt not to follow you in your will. And so, Lord, as we even approach this passage, I I just start by saying, forgive me, God. God, I I pray that you would help us to be a people who hear these words, and and though they may lead to the death of our flesh, would cause us to, to cling to the one who will give us life. Thank you, Lord. It's because of of these words that we are able to, to approach you, and we ask that you would speak to us this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. On January 8th, 1956, Jim Elliott and four other American missionaries were killed in Ecuador while attempting to bring the gospel to an indigenous group of people who had not yet heard it. And their death was a stark reminder for the American church of the great cost that God calls his people to bear in the task of bringing the gospel to the ends of the earth. Now, what's even more significant about that is is six and a half years before that moment, Jim Elliott was a college student at Wheaton College in uh, the, the Chicago area. And he wrote this... In his journal, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And those words, written by a college student in 1949, have become memorialized because Eliot and those who were with him took seriously this call of discipleship, this call to deny self To take up your cross and to follow Jesus. And these words, I think, are are some of the the best words to summarize what Jesus is saying here in this passage. This morning's passage is a a radical call for us to follow Jesus. Another 20th century martyr of the Christian faith, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, was killed uh, in, in Nazi Germany. He wrote this on the topic of discipleship. He said, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. The call of the gospel is a call to come and die. It is a costly call. It is a a call that will cost your life. And, And for some people, that may be literal, but for most of us, probably not. And yet, for all of us, it is a call for us to come and to die to self as we follow Jesus. The call of the gospel is a costly one. It asks us to die to self, and that is a costly call. And so, uh, in in Eliot's words, uh, it, it helpfully puts things into perspective. It is, even though costly, it is not foolish. In fact, if one considers the cost of following Jesus... From an eternal perspective, it is not so much a radical ask from Jesus as much as it is just a a smart one. It is foolish to cling to that which you will not be able to keep and sacrifice that which you could have forever. And in the same way, it is not so much radical as it is just smart to give up those things that you cannot keep to gain that which you will not lose. And this morning's passage comes right after Jesus' words revealing that he is the Christ, but not just that he is the Christ, not just that he is the Christ who will, will come at the head of this army of angels to conquer all of Israel's enemies, the fact that Jesus is the Christ means that he will go to the cross. And this morning we see that if we would follow him, we must also go to a cross as well. You see, Jesus' words here are not just for those in church leadership. They're not just for those who who want to go the extra mile in their faith. Jesus is no longer just speaking to the disciples. The the text opens by saying that now Jesus is addressing the crowds. And he says, if anyone would come after me. Jesus is speaking to to all of us, and it's not entirely clear in, in the ESV, the, the translation that I read from just a few moments ago, Jesus' first words, when he says, if anyone would come after me, it actually echoes the words of Peter in the previous verse, in verse 34 that we looked at last week, not the words of, of Peter, the words of Jesus to Peter. In, in verse 33, Jesus is speaking to Peter, and he rebukes him, he says, get behind me, Satan, and what he's saying there is, hey, is Peter, I, I've called you to follow me. Get behind me. Get after me. Don't, don't go in front of me. And here he extends the same invitation to anyone who would follow him to get after me. Come after. Come behind me. And what follows are some of the most challenging verses in the entire Bible. And yet Jesus is, is completely unapologetic. He doesn't mince words. He doesn't soften the blow here. He doesn't create levels of obedience. He says that if anyone would come after him, if anyone would be his disciple, if anyone would consider themselves a Christian, this right here is the calling. This is what following Jesus will cost you. This is what you have to look forward to in this life. What is Jesus' message to the crowds? What is Jesus' message to us this morning? It's simply this. If we would truly follow Jesus, we must follow him with a cross. If we would truly follow Jesus, we must follow him with a cross. Last week, we saw that Jesus is a, a king, but he is a king who was crucified. And this week, we see that if we are truly to follow him, means that if we are going to follow in his footsteps, we also must carry a cross. And this passage, it breaks up nicely into two sections. First section, verse 34, focuses on this charge. What is the the call for those who would follow Jesus? And then after that, verses 35 through 38 gives us the why. Why on earth would anyone want to follow Jesus on this path? And he gives us a couple of reasons why. So let's dive into this passage, looking at verse verse 34 in this charge. And then after that, verses 35 through 38, the reasons for following Jesus. Starting again, verse 34. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now, I mentioned earlier that this this passage is not just for a certain subset of Christians, those who who want to to be the spiritually elite, whatever that may mean. It's for anyone who would follow Jesus. And notice that, that this is addressed to the crowds with an indiscriminate, if anyone would come after me. And what is the call here for those who would follow Jesus? Well, consider the two halves of this charge. First one is this. If anyone would follow Jesus, he must deny himself. He must deny himself. The, the Christian must echo the words of John the Baptist in John chapter 3, verse 30. He must increase, but I must decrease. Christ calls you to deny yourself. It is not a call to this sort of emptying or this nothingness, as some would believe it. It is instead a denial of self that we might see the magnification of Christ in our lives. Within each and every one of us, there is this war that is raging for the throne of our lives. It all centers around this question, who is in charge? Who is the one who rules your life? And Jesus tells us it is either going to be us or it is going to be him, but he will not share the throne with another. Writing in the early 1700s, a Scottish preacher named Thomas Boston described the importance of Jesus' charge here in this way. He says this, Self is Christ's greatest rival in the world. And no man can serve the two masters. He must deny himself and go after Christ, or he will deny Christ and go after self. And so Jesus here is asking you a question. Who will you deny? Will you deny self, or will you deny Christ? Who will you serve? Will you serve self, or will you serve Christ? And as I hear these, these words, uh, this, this call to deny self, I just can't help thinking of, of how at odds this message is with our culture today. Our culture today, both outside of the church and oftentimes within the church, it is all about Me. It's all about my preferences. It's all about my wants. It's all about my desires. Each day we breathe in this culture that defiantly echoes the words of the poem Invictus I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. And each day, for each of us, there is this default way of, of viewing life that makes us. The the center of the universe. We wake up and our hearts cry, it's all about me. And the call of the gospel could not be more countercultural. And Jesus declares that if anyone would follow him, they must trade the counterfeit Lord of self for the true Lord Jesus Christ. It is no longer to say life is all about me, but instead to say life is all about him. There's this translation of the New Testament by a man named J.B. Phillips, and I think it gets at the core of what Jesus is talking about here, what he's asking us to do when he calls us to deny self. This is, uh, is what it says for this verse. Then he called his disciples and the people around him and said to them, if anyone wants to follow in my footsteps, he must give up all right to himself, take up his cross and follow me. To deny yourself is to give up your rights to give up your rights to christ and that's an absolutely shocking demand from jesus we here in america we love our rights and so it's shocking that jesus would say hey those rights that you hold so preciously give them up for me deny yourself." What Jesus is saying here is, is, I want all of your wants, I want all of your desires, I want all of your habits, I want all of you to be offered up to me. Jesus is the master of our fate. Jesus is the captain of your soul. And if you are going to follow Jesus, Jesus says that your life must no longer be about you, but now it must be about him. If anyone would come up after me, let him deny himself. Second charge in verse 34 is this. If anyone will follow after Jesus, she must take up her cross and follow the crucified king. Because of the prevalence of the cross in our culture and in our church today, the shock of this metaphor is oftentimes lost on us. I mean, just look right up there. Crosses are everywhere and oftentimes Christians and non-Christians alike will use them to refer to the trivial nuisances of Life. And so uh, we would say, well, my neighbors are nosy, but I love my house, and I guess this is just my cross to bear. And some of you are my neighbors, and that's just completely theoretical. I'm not actually referring to that. I discovered I have a gluten intolerance or I'm, I'm lactose intolerant. I guess this is just my cross to bear. The metaphor here is a graphic one, it is a, a radical one. The cross in the first century was used by Rome not just to kill people. But to kill people publicly, to subject them to shame and embarrassment and scorn. And it wasn't a, a merciful death, it was a slow and excruciating one. The word excruciating actually comes from our word cross. Those who were condemned to die on a cross would carry this horizontal crossbeam with them on their backs to the site of their execution, and to carry one's cross in the first century, it meant to go to your death. It was not something that you would come back from. So what is it that Jesus could possibly mean with this horrifying word picture here? Yes, this might mean a a literal death for some people in some parts of the world, but more than that, Jesus is saying that each of us must put ourselves to death. We must put the old self to death. To death, And we must do it daily. That's clear from the parallel to this passage in the Gospel of Luke. And he, Jesus, said to them all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. If you would follow Jesus, you must take up your cross, not just once, but daily, each and every day. To to carry one's cross is a requirement for anyone who would follow Jesus. Paul describes this in in Galatians, what this means in in Galatians. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Paul tells us here that, that in the cross of Christ, those who are found in Christ have now been crucified to the world. They have died to the world and what's more, the world has also died to them. There's this death that takes place when we follow Jesus, this death of the old self. And by extension, to pick up our cross daily then is to daily say goodbye to the old life. If you lived in the first century and you saw someone carrying their crossbeam, you knew you would never see them again. You would never see them again. The death warrant had already been signed. They were walking on a road that would lead to their death. And so to pick up your cross daily is to take up the old self, this self that wants to rule, this self that that wants to rule your life and that is opposed to the rule of Christ, the self that is, as Boston said in that quote I just read to us, the, the greatest rival of Christ and to nail it to the cross daily to say goodbye to it, to let it die, to never see it again. And what a high and impossible calling for us. If Jesus calls me to follow him to the cross and die once, I can, I can maybe do that. I can die when I surrender my life to Christ in salvation. And God forbid, I I think about the idea of martyrdom, and if if I were to die for my faith, Lord willing, I'd be able to do the same, this this one-time thing. But here's the sobering truth. God doesn't just call me to die once. He calls me to die daily. God does call me to a form of martyrdom in a way each and every day to pick up my cross and to follow him. Jesus is asking me to put to death the old self for his sake. And that is a terribly difficult proposition. Let me explain. If you were to ask me and say, Jordan, would you die, would you give your life to save your wife and your children? I think I would answer yes without a moment's hesitation. Of course I would. I love them. I would do anything for them up to and including my own death on their behalf. But at the same time that I say that... I can give you example after example after example from each and every day where I do not die to self, where I continue to live selfishly rather than out of a self-sacrificial love for them. There are times where I am impatient. There are times where I am distracted. There are times where I am selfish and concerned with my own agenda, where I don't fully love them the way I am called to love them. And to use the language that we've been using in this sermon so far, to daily uh, self-deny myself, to, to give myself up for them. No, self remains implanted on the throne of my life. And now, I wouldn't hesitate to die for them in this noble act of self-sacrifice, and yet when I'm called to die daily for them, for the good of my family, I stumble and I fall And I think that's the same truth for many of us as we follow Jesus. We may not look forward to the idea of martyrdom, but it comes to mind from time to time. And we wonder, would I remain faithful even in death? And it's not a hypothetical question. It's not a hypothetical question because Jesus calls each of us to pick up our cross and follow him. When Jesus Christ calls a man, he bids him to come and die, to nail the old self, the part of you that is most opposed to the reign and rule of Christ, and nail it to the cross. Now notice that Jesus is specific when he talks about the cross. He doesn't just say, pick up a cross. He says, pick up your cross. What does that mean? Well, it means that your cross is not the same as my cross. The area of your life that is most opposed to the rule and reign of Christ, where you are most resistant to God being Lord of your life, is not exactly the same as the the areas of my life, where I most resist the rule and reign of Christ. And as such, your cross... What needs to be put to death in your life is not the exact same thing as it needs to be put to death in my life. Your cross is not my cross. God's primary goal in your life is not a life of comfort, it's not a life of ease, but to make you more like Jesus. And it is for you to increasingly deny yourself. And in all of your efforts to do so without Christ. Christ comes in and in in his effort to make us more like him, he will provide us with opportunities. Opportunities to put to death the parts of our lives that are are most resistant to his lordship. If you are someone who longs to be self-sufficient, that you hold on to that, that you don't have to rely on anyone, don't be surprised if God teaches you that he is sufficient for you by putting you in places where you are not in control, where you have to rely on other people. If you long for ease and comfort, don't be surprised if God teaches you that the only place you will find comfort and contentment in this life is in Him by putting you in an extremely difficult, extremely uncomfortable situations. We actually see this a couple chapters later in the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 10. Jesus encounters a rich young man who is exceedingly moral. He loves God earnestly. He, he loves him. He desires to do all that God has for him. He, he follows the, the Ten Commandments, and, and he does so quite well. And he comes to Jesus, and, and he basically asks Jesus, Hey, I, I want to honor God. How can I inherit eternal life? What must I do to inherit eternal life? And, and how does Jesus respond? Mark chapter 10 verse 21. And Jesus looking at him loved him and said to him you lack one thing go sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Why is it that that is not a command for each and every one of us who would follow Jesus? It could be it could be for us. But right here, Jesus is saying that the one area of this man's life where he is most resistant to the rule of Christ, the one area where he will not turn it over to Jesus and submit it to his rule, is this area of wealth. It's this area of possessions. And so he must nail that to the cross. He must crucify that old self if he is to follow Jesus. Jesus doesn't say to him, hey, if you would follow me, I need you to remain sexually pure. He doesn't say, hey, if you would follow me, I need you to put others first or I need you to put your pride to death. There is one area in particular in this man's life where he is most resistant to God's rule in his life and Jesus says, kill it. Put it to death and follow me. Jesus says that if you would truly follow him, you must take up your cross. And so ask yourself, what is your cross? What area of your life where you most struggle to, to submit it to Jesus? There are areas of our lives where, where it's not that hard or that difficult for us to submit them to Jesus' lordship. In contrast, other people might have a great deal of trouble, trouble with those areas. But all of us have have areas of our lives where we most resist the rule of Christ and we keep them hidden from others so that we can at least remain partially on the throne of our life. Jesus looks at that area of your life and he says, if you would follow me, nail it to the cross. And as you hear all that in verse 34, Everything that Jesus demands, perhaps another question comes to mind, it comes to mind in my life, why on earth would anyone choose to follow Jesus? If this is what he's asking, why on earth would anyone choose to follow Jesus to the cross? And that's what the rest of this passage is about, where Jesus gives us two simple but very powerful reasons why following him to the cross is worth it. Why should you follow Jesus to the cross? Well, first is this, because your life is worth more than the world. Your life is worth more than the world. And the implication of this, of course, is that saving, the key to saving your life comes in laying it down. Exactly what we see in verses 35 through 37. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world? And forfeit his soul. For what can a man give in return for his soul? Jesus has just said that those who would follow him must follow him to the cross. To follow Jesus is to deny self and to submit all of our lives to Jesus as the rightful king of our life. It's to take up this cross, each day putting to death the old self, especially the part of our lives that's most resistant to Jesus' lordship, and put it on the cross and say, Goodbye. I will never see you again. And here he says why. Because if you don't do that, if you don't deny self but instead worship it, if you don't crucify the old self but instead you give into it and, and you listen to it and you're ruled by it, you will lose everything. You will lose everything. I want you to just consider for a moment what your soul's greatest longing is. And I'm not talking about the new self talking about the old self, the self that Jesus says is, uh, is the part he wants us to crucify. What is Christ's greatest rival in your life? For some of us, we are like the rich young man. It's money. We get drunk on the thought of more and more money, more and more possessions, accumulating more and more. Our hearts are never satisfied. No matter how much we have, we're always saying more. Others of us, it is notoriety. We want to be noticed by other people. We want to be the type of person that everyone is always thinking about, and they're thinking about in the right light. And our hearts crave being the center of attention, whether that's in a room of five or five thousand. For others of, of us, it's it's ease. We want to live in these for these moments where we can just sit and relax in front of the television or in front of the TV or or uh, in front of the computer or or in front of a or with a good book and. All of life, the end goal of of everything we do is to get to this point where we can just relax. What is your heart's greatest longing? Is it to provide a better life for your family? Is it for power? Is it to be known as a good person? Is it something different? Now imagine you actually achieve your heart's desire. Whatever it may be, you achieve it in its Fullness. So, uh, for the person who craves notoriety, you become the most highly respected person in the world. Seven billion people know who you are and they only have good things to say about you. For the person who craves ease, imagine that you no longer have any cares in the world, but all of your time is free time to spend only on yourself. There is no pleasure that is off limits. Or for the person who craves everything like power, everything in the world is set up exactly the way you want it to be set up. You crave money. Imagine that you're given all of Bill Gates' possessions, all of Warren Buffett's possessions, all of Jeff Bezos' money, and then all seven billion other people in the world do the exact same thing. In each of these situations, you have gained the whole world. And Jesus says "If you have all of that At the expense of your soul, you have lost everything. You have lost everything. Why should you follow Jesus to the cross? Because your life matters. It is infinitely precious in the sight of God. If there was this cosmic scale that weighed the value of all of the riches in the entire universe, everything that was, was, was precious, and your soul on the other side, your life would outweigh it in value. It cannot compare. That's not just true of everyone in this room. It's true of everyone who has ever lived or who lives or who will ever live. Jesus says in verse 37, there is... Nothing that can ransom your soul. There's nothing except for the Son of Man on the cross. Why should I deny myself? Why should I follow Jesus with my cross? As as paradoxical as it may sound, it's because your life is worth more than anything in this world. And so if you were to save it, you must nail it to the cross. There's a second reason why we are to follow Jesus with our cross. Not only because your life is worth more than the entire world, but also because Jesus is worth more than your life. Consider the words of verse 35 and then 38. Forever, Whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. Whoever... For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him, the Son of Man, also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with his holy angels. Jesus's claim here is absolutely astounding. Jesus says, your life may be worth more than the entire world, but I'm worth more than your entire life. Now, it's not apparent in English but the footnotes in your Bible probably mention that this word life here in verse 35 and the word soul in verses 36 and 37 are actually the same word. They're used interchangeably in this passage. Jesus is intentionally making a play on words here this comparison of sorts. He's saying, your life is worth more than the world, but my life is worth more than yours. I am worth more than... Than yours, And if you hear that first bit about your life being more valuable than anything else in the world, but you don't catch the truth that Jesus is worth more than your life, then you're going to spend your entire life doing exactly what the first half of verse 35 says. You're going to spend your entire life trying to save your life. If your life is the most precious thing that you possess, and there is nothing greater than that, nothing of greater value than that, then you will do everything you can to either preserve it for yourself or spend it on yourself. And here's what I mean by that. If you don't get that Jesus is worth more than your life, it will lead you to either one of two places. You will either try to do all you can to preserve your life, to to make sure that you can protect it from anything and everything. You will do all you can. You will be paralyzed in this attempt to avoid loss, to avoid injury. You will save your life through this form of paranoia and anxiety, doing everything you possibly can to save the one thing that is the most important, most valuable thing that you have. You will do everything you can to preserve your life, to save your life. Or you will do everything you can to spend your life on yourself. You will reach this conclusion that life is utterly meaningless. And since you have this one life, you got to spend it. Before it's gone, you will deny yourself no pleasure, no experience, no desire. Nothing will be off limits for you. You may spend your life, but it will be completely and solely on yourself. And in this way, you are attempting to save your life, to spend it on you. And Jesus says, if you do either of those two things, you lose. We lose Your life is so valuable that it must be saved, yes, but the only way to save it is by laying it down at the cross. Your life is so valuable that it must be spent on something worthwhile, yes, but it is not to be spent on you, but of one who is of greater value than your very life. This is what it means to take up your cross and follow Jesus. It is to say, I will follow Jesus because my soul is so precious that I must save it, But Jesus is more precious still. If we would truly follow Jesus, we must follow him with a cross. We must follow him to the cross because our lives are worth more than the entire world. And we follow Jesus to the cross because he is worth more than our very lives. Now, I don't know about you, when I hear Jesus' words here, I really want to do it. I really want to follow him this way. But I look at my life even just in the last, yesterday and I can think of, of times where I stubbornly refused to deny myself, where I refuse to cede the throne of my life to the rightful king. I can think of ways that I don't pick up my cross. I don't follow him. I don't consider him of greater value than myself. I don't necessarily even think that I'm more valuable than the world because I chase after it. And maybe you find yourself in a spot that's somewhat similar. What hope do rebellious and reluctant sinners like you and me have? The answer is found in last week's passage, particularly verse 31. And Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed, and after three days rise again. How is it that we pick up our cross and follow Jesus? It's by looking at the one who is on the cross. Have you ever considered that in a way Jesus himself denies himself on the way to the cross? Recall what we've seen throughout the Gospel of Mark so far. Jesus' greatest temptation that is facing him is this temptation to avoid the cross. To try to follow God, but to do so in a way that avoids the cross. There's not a part of him that that resists the rule of of God, but simply that he knew how how much it was going to cost him. And so he prays in the garden, and he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. He wanted to avoid the cross, but even more than that, he wanted to do his Father's will. In other words, he denies himself in obedience to his Father's plan. Philippians chapter 2 says something similar. Jesus, though he was in the very form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. What is it that Jesus chose to do? Well, humble himself and, and become obedient to the point of death. He said no to the temptation of the devil to to spurn his father's plan and remain the perfectly obedient son, even though that led to his very literal death. You see, to come after Jesus here is, is very literal. It's not just Christianese. We follow Jesus because he also denied himself. He also took up his cross. And to follow him is to do the exact same thing. To follow in his footsteps A road to the cross, this road of self-denial, all for the glory of the Father, and yet it starts by coming to Jesus. Because Jesus was perfectly obedient, there is mercy for us who are disobedient. Because Jesus denied himself, God offers forgiveness to us when we do not deny ourselves. Because Jesus took up his cross, we can be offered grace when we struggle to nail the old self to the cross daily. To come to Jesus... Means to pick up the cross, yes, but it starts first by looking to the cross and the one who is on the cross for you and for me. When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. If we would truly follow Jesus, we must follow him with a cross. Why would anyone make that commitment? Well, as we saw as we began. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. Let's pray. Lord, we do ask you to help us through your spirit to live out the truth of this passage. God, in the power of the Spirit who dwells within your people. We ask that you would help us to deny self, that we would echo the words of John the Baptist, he must increase and I must decrease. That we would have an eternal perspective to recognize that the cost that you are calling us to bear now is, is nothing compared to the great cost of ignoring you tomorrow. The next day, or whenever this life would end. Thank you, God, for the mercy that is offered to us who fail. Help us to keep our eyes focused on you and on the cross. It's in Jesus' name we pray.